All right, welcome back to another episode of Inside Flicks. We're back after a long break, and I well, you know what what happened is you know during the strike, and also the end of the summer, there's not really that many movies to really talk about. And I think the last episode we were ta- we we did was uh, we we kind of reviewed the first episode of Soka or Ahsoka on Disney Plus. And and now that's over. That series is over. <laughs> and I guess we maybe we'll talk about that a little bit. But uh Raymond, you've been busy lately. You've been um and, oh, and I should have mentioned that my name is Mike. And like always <laughs> I'm here with uh, Richard and Raymond. We're our three brothers. We love movies. We like to talk about movies. We li- like to get together and 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 explore the the world of movies and television. But Raymond, you've been busy lately. This whole past couple of months, you've been going to concerts, you've been going to conventions. Uh, let's dive into that a little bit first. Uh, tell me about your kind of. Uh, uh, we'll last just Saturday? explain who, who you've been meeting. Hobnob. Saturday. <laughs> what, what's that mean? <laughs> I've never heard that term. <laughs> you know, rubbing elbows with you. You've been do, oh, you've okay. been doing the Hollywood mm-hmm. thing. I've actually. <laughs> <laughs> No, but you like so. you. You have become a really uh, frequent uh, visitor or convention goer, Dang. and and getting these celebrities, uh, you know, signatures. It's Dang. been a, now. I think it's now a legit ho- a hobby for you. I guess so. Right? <laughs> it's, it's become because you become a real yaya from Jimmy Kimmel Live. I hope I speak better than yaya. <laughs> <laughs> so just tell us about last last couple of days, the last last past weekend. You you went to a couple of big events. Uh, yeah, I guess like I went to a couple meet and greets really quick. I mean, and I mean, these things are, you know, a lot of these meet and greets are kind of lame. I mean, the, the ones in conventions are, are better because you can actually talk to these people for a bit. But, uh, um, like I went to a, a meet and greet to, to meet Matthew McConaughey. He has, he was doing a book signing. He, he just made a children's book. I just wanted, you know, to kind of talk to the guy for a little bit and get a picture with him. But I mean, the line for this thing was pretty insane. I mean, and they had like lines for like every hour and you know each line had i don't i don't know how many hundreds of people and uh it, so we didn't really get the chance to talk to him at all it was basically just like taking a photo with a statue it was weird <laughs> and like i mean I, all i really got to tell him was like uh that i'm a big fan of his work and like i didn't oh that's all and then like he, he just said like thank you for coming and gave me a little handshake type of thing i, I it was Kind of lame, really. <laughs> <laughs> well, at least but, in this day and age, I mean, I used to do that, and but back then we had no cell phones, though, so so we had no proof, basically, yeah, of, meet, of meeting celebrities on the on the yeah, because yeah. uh, I, I waited in line for um uh to meet uh, Chow Yun Fat and uh, John Woo. And, oh, and that's cool. Yeah, and you, you wait, get a, what, uh, your autograph. Oh, that, you, you got your uh, face off autograph. Yeah, there, I right? got my Facebook. Uh, I mean, Facebook <laughs> face off uh, a face off poster signed by John Woo because John Woo uh, hanged around, but Shalyan Fat had to leave early. Oh, and so I'll, so he went around the line, the the rest of the line, saying, you know, thank you for being here, whatever. Thank you, thank you. Um, I have to go. I'm sorry. And he apologized throughout the whole line, whatever. And that was cool and all, but thanks. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I mean, you could have got a picture with him back then. Well, I had a, I had a killer a killer poster, and uh, this was during the nineties, right? This is right. When oh the, yeah, yeah, yeah. When Face Off was this was, was the was shrine just to come out the Shrine Auditorium, yeah, yeah. in Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's where they had the premiere of the movie. 
No, no. The, the it was just a comic book convention that uh um that uh sometimes that they they promoted movies. I mean, that's they, cool. That yeah. that's a that's a big appearance. Yeah, but I'm just saying that back then. I mean, if we had uh you know cell phones at the time, it'd be a uh, much cooler just just to be able to take a photo with somebody you know for five yeah. seconds or. Well, now cut to twenty years later, and you got your, your <laughs> younger brother plus. here now doing the same thing. Oh, yeah, but plus, but at least yeah. he's got proof. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Yeah, and I mean, and also like uh, you know, to to you know, make it kind of more easy, I guess it was only twenty dollars. You know, I just had to buy the book, mm-hmm. and you know, I was able to you know to, to get his autograph and you know get a picture with him. So that that's cool. But I I would have liked to have been able to talk to him uh, a bit longer. I will say something. Something I thought was freaking hilarious and i don't know if this guy was trolling him or if he was just like a legitimate fan mm. but there was a guy there wearing a um uh texas chainsaw massacre the next generation t-shirt <laughs> wow <laughs> which is a movie that you know matthew mcconaughey is just completely ashamed of and uh i just i thought that was hilarious <laughs> it could have been angels in the outfield there was, was a it? lot of uh days and confused shirts i just tried i just tried to i just tried to dress kind of nice i didn't want to like look too much like a fanboy but uh, for the comic book conventions, I'll go all fanboy out. But, you know, this is Matthew McConaughey, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, Matthew McConaughey wasn't the only celebrity you recently met. You oh, also- yeah. I think the, the next day, um, I think it was the next day or maybe the, the day after, um, I went to, uh, I, I guess, a, a, a vodka <laughs> opening, I guess, for, for uh, Jason, Jason Momoa's new, new vodka company. And uh, he went, he was in, he went all over like California basically. But um, I went to the Laguna Beach one because uh, I knew that would be the shortest line. And I didn't wait long at all to see Jason Momoa. And he actually showed up early. And um, I wish, you know, I, w- I was a child because <laughs> the children were able to go first because, you know, it was an alcohol thing. So children went first. Oh, okay. Uh, and, and children actually were able to get, you know, their stuff that they brought autographed, like their aquaman stuff oh for for me i was only able to get the the bottles of vodka that i bought autographed <laughs> and i and i got a picture with him but it was so it moved so quick i didn't even know what point they were pointing i didn't even know where the camera was being pointed i was like where wh- what <laughs> so i i thought the picture came out horrible really but <laughs> but i mean it, it, was, it was it was cool to get a picture with him and i'm not even gonna lie once i was like face to face with jason momoa i was completely starstruck oh wow mm-hmm. i i wanted i wanted to tell him that uh i wanted to really thank him and uh thank him and uh james wan and Zack snyder for really kind of reinventing aquaman and kind of making the character really cool and um you know as a lifelong you know dc fan i thought you know it was just awesome to see this character now have this kind of new life and I just kind of froze and just said, thank you so much for, for being here. <laughs> or something like that. Like, uh, I, I just, I, I was, I just couldn't, I just, it's Jason Momoa. Yeah. Was, yeah. But, he, um, he went, hell yeah. Uh, I think so. Yeah. <laughs> uh-huh. But, uh, yeah, I mean, that, that dude's super cool. I mean, I, I, I would, I wish they didn't just like push us all along. Cause I, I would have tried to talk more, but. I, I couldn't even get what I was like wanting to say all day out because I was like, holy shit, it's Jason Momoa. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, and then, uh, there, and and then, then after that, you had recently went to a, a horror convention and met a lot of people, uh, uh, a lot of horror actors. Name, name yeah, some of and those. There I could, and there I could talk 
actually talk to people and yeah. I was able to, you know, talk a bit more. And uh, the, fir the first person uh, I met was uh, Tony Todd. No, oh, I went to him first. A legend. Um, I, yeah, I went to his line first because I assumed that his line would be pretty long. Mm. <laughs> the longest line ended up being um, Rose McGowan's or Rose McGowan. I don't, I don't know how to pronounce her last name. Mm -hmm. But um, her, her line was mostly really long because she was like over two hours late. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so... People, yeah, I, 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 I got, I did her last, but, um, and you were, you had the intention to get like a lot of the scream cast to sign. I mean, yeah, I have the scream poster. I've slowly been getting the cast, you know, sign you know, at every convention. It's kind of, I, I think I got kind of one person from the movie. <laughs> Was this the first time you, you saw Tony Todd in a, in a convention? Yeah. 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 And you're a big Candyman fan. So what, did you you guys talk about Candyman at all? Or yeah, a little bit. I mean, I was because I was wearing a, a farewell of the farewell to flesh T-shirt, and uh, <laughs> yeah, that's the Candyman two, and yeah, do, uh, yeah. Do, but do you prefer Candyman two to Candyman? No, no, no. I prefer the original. <laughs> <laughs> but in Candyman two, he has a much more bigger spotlight. Tony Todd. That's true. That's true. Yeah, yeah we do get like a, a all of the characters' backstory and all that, and visualized and stuff brought to life. I do like the movie. I mean, it's definitely better than Candyman Three. Yeah, <laughs> that's the L.A. one, right? The the sit in yeah. L.A. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but but I mean, the first one's like the first one kind of, is kind of like almost like a like a seven type of movie. You know what I mean? It's like. Yeah, it's a mystery detective. The instead of uh, cops, they're uh, uh, college yeah, students. Yeah, and it just it just happens to be kind of very gory, and, and it's about a supernatural character. So I I love that movie. It's awesome. Um, Candyman Two is a little different. It's more of like a horror movie, but it's still great. I mean, I just you know I think the first one's you know on another level. So what'd you get to say to Tony Todd? Uh, I just uh, yeah, just. Uh, you know, we just talked a little bit about uh, about Candyman, and I just told him uh, I was, you know, I was a fan, and uh, you know, not that much. I didn't uh, just that basically. You say I want my fucking money. <laughs> oh, after you sign your stuff. Oh, that's a line from The Rock. That's I, <laughs> I can't even. I can't even. Um, if I'm being honest, I can't even make out the quote that he wrote on my poster. <laughs> I, can't, I can't read. I can't read his writings. You got chicken scratch for for handwriting. Um, I'm so, sure other people can read it, but yeah. Uh, and so you also uh, met uh, Jack Quaid in this yeah. convention. Yeah. Oh, the Jack cool. Quaid. Yeah, the Jack Quaid cool. for the boys. Yeah, he was super cool, and like, I basically just told him that you know I'm excited for the show and for the new season, and um, that you know it's my favorite show on TV right now, and it's actually. Uh, one of my favorite TV series of all time. And I, I truly mean that it, it really is. And, um, and I just told him like, I really love, you know, Huey's, he's a great character and that, you know, he's the best character on the show for me. I, that's something that I, again, truly mean. And it was, it was great to talk to him about that. And, uh, he was just probably well, like, one of the nicest people in the world, which is, I don't think it's surprising. I think in interviews and stuff, you kind of tell. Mm. And, um, yeah, he was super cool to talk to, and um, it's funny because like I brought a screen poster 
to get an autograph by him, <laughs> and we didn't talk about Scream at all. <laughs> it's all with the boys. I, I did, yeah, I did tell him like what what quote I wanted. Um, oh, what was, was his uh, quote? What about my Andy? What about my Andy? Mm. Oh, okay, when yeah, he, yeah, yeah. When he gets killed in the end, <laughs> he for most people he was putting um, uh, holy shit, it's Ghostface, and I'm like, that's a good one. I I, I kind of wanted that, but I I like mine too. <laughs> <laughs> did you uh, did you say? Your dad was the best part in Strays. <laughs> I, oh, I forgot he was in there. <laughs> <laughs> and you also met uh, probably the, the legend from the Saw series, Shawnee Smith. Yeah. And yeah, and basically uh, uh, with her, I basically just talked about how I just rewatched, you know, all the Saw movies and how I'm super excited to watch the new one. And then um, I, I don't remember what else we talked about, honestly, but we, we talked for a bit. She had a long line. She she long she talked. She had a long line in the beginning, but when I got there, like I got there right in time, so I was like the only one. So we so we yeah we had a we had a while to talk, but we just talked about Saw, mm-hmm. the franchise. And- yeah, it's it's funny that you know because when she was coming up in the business in the eighties and nineties, she was mostly known for her comedies, summer school, summer school. Also, um, I never saw summer school. Oh my Jesus. god! You got to watch Summer School. Uh, who, who's Harry Crumb? That's her, right? She's in Who's Harry? Crumb? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. And she's been on a lot of like TV. I never saw that one either. Oh my Ooh. lord! You have to watch both of these movies. Double but, feature. But it's because of the Saul franchise, and, and, and she's just such a big part of that franchise. She's now kind of just maybe mainly known for Saul. Well, that's or, all you need in this horror conventions uh, <laughs> genre. I mean, uh, you you just need one. One horror movie in your IMDb list, you know, that's, you know, you know, just somewhat memorable. And then uh-huh. you could have a whole career off that. Well, it's weird because she's, she's had such a strange role in, in the franchise, but in a way, in a strange way, she's kind of like, I guess the franchise is like final girl because she's the only one that survived. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it, it's weird because she's like basically an apprentice that basically takes over the role, but, uh. I mean, she's the only survivor, right? Mm-hmm. No, I guess there's a couple other survivors. But well, yeah. and, uh, did we mention what? She's the main one. Did, did we mention what convention this was? This was the Creepy Con, right? There was was this the Creepy Con? Yeah, they con? had another one. Yeah, because you they went to the first one this, this year earlier. I think we did. Maybe we did talk about that, but this is the Probably second not. one. It's it's funny how these conventions, these horror conventions, are becoming more and more popular. To the point where they're actually doubling their appearances. You know, Creepy Con is twice. Is there a third one that's coming out this year? Or is... <laughs> no, it's, uh, the next one's in February. Okay. So, creepy, I mean, it's just creepy sh- Christmas. <laughs> yeah, I know. Why not? Um, <laughs> and uh, and I think from from these conventions, you, you really see a growth in horror community, horror films. And, and the, I think we, you know, we see it in the box office, you know. Uh, yeah. People love uh, horror movies. It's just, and it's because of the fans. It's because of these co- conventions. It's because it, it's growing, and 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 uh, that's uh, that's. I think that's a good thing. That's like you know. I want to talk about what Martin Scorsese recently talked about uh, about his comments on the superhero genre, but I think that applies to the, the you know the growth of of the horror community. And uh, uh, you know, and I think in a lot of ways there there's a gra- there's a grassroots there that that might uh, I think ultimately might kind of bring a new wave of independent films. Well, the uh, the horror is the only genre that's 
that's staying alive in the, the comic book conventions um, or whatever the convention types. Oh yeah, because sci-fi used to rule yeah. the conventions. Yeah, uh, back in the day, sci-fi used to be everywhere. There used to be Star uh, Star Trek conventions. There should be. There was with, a lot with, of alien movies in the nineties. Yeah, a lot of alien yeah. uh, invasion. And but they're the ones that had the diehard fans uh, attached to it. So yeah. they, they they were they would be po- popular conventions. But then all of a sudden, you know, horror started started and. Uh, uh, just just grew and grew. Yeah, it should be. It was originally kind of like science fiction, and then on the side, horror. Yeah. Now it's like horror on right on top, and then on the side, science yeah. fiction. You know. Uh, and yeah, I guess we're seeing less and less of science fiction movies. I guess or alien, but it's weird because UFOs have come uh, become a, a popular and in the you know the regular discussions i talk about like even in real life the the, right. the government hearings on, on ufo you would think that would spark up some kind of excitement with uh alien invasion movies but not really I mean, we, or at least we haven't seen it yet yeah i mean also attached to sci-fi it was also uh, some 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 uh markets of that were a fantasy like television shows, like whatever Cena or something like that, <laughs> uh-huh. you know, uh, Hercules, or right. And but the fa- uh, so I think fantasy has changed over the years too. Now, when we think of fantasy, we think of the medieval Game fantasy, yeah, Game of Thrones, that type of medieval uh, dragons. You know, yeah, it's like a, it's less pre, pre, you know, it's less kind of uh, Herculean or you know, Xena f- or Xena, and it's more kind of <laughs> like. Uh, it's more Camelot, <laughs> Camelot with dragons. Yeah, I mean, uh, but also like those kind of like Hercules stuff. Those kind of had a, at least the way I'm picturing it in my head, it had more of a '80s kind of vibe because you have like these kind of like Hercules or these like you know muscle guys. Yeah, you know what yeah. I mean. Like they were these like, kind of action things, and I feel like things now they they're going for a more kind of grounded, more kind of believable, but while still having that fantasy aspect. I, at least that's kind of that's how I see it. Yeah. Even I when it comes the, to like kind of more children's stuff like Harry Potter or whatever, it's yeah. still kind of grounded. But as far as horror goes, I think uh, the big starter of this was the the beginning of The Walking Dead. Because I remember mm-hmm. when The Walking Dead became a huge success on AMC or whatever, <laughs> um, it was right away they started the Walker Stalker conventions and right and and. All, I guess they went bankrupt or something like that. So, or, or but they were su- it was super popular, and that's what, the, and then that's what started the. It seemed like it started a lot of the, uh, uh, the the smaller uh, horror conventions. You know, started it up well, off of that. I think yeah. it definitely gave it a boost. I yeah, think that's it, what I mean. it definitely re, uh, re- 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 uh, gave a resurgence to zombies. Zombies, yeah. yes, yes, zombies. I think, and and, and, and Dawn the Dead. Uh, you know stuff like that uh flew, flew uh you know flew with it yeah i think zombies became a a a, a subgenre and it 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 has, it's in a lot of ways it's very cheap to do a zombie movie you just need a lot of people with 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 you know very little makeup yeah but yeah but there's a lot of bad zombie movies yeah yeah so i think I think that, yeah, I think you're right i think the walking dead the success of walking dead uh really spawned a certain a certain expansion of of horror. It's not. It wasn't just the kind of classic monster movies. It was now zombies, well, vampires. It, well, well, something to say about The Walking Dead because you know I was at at one point definitely a, a big fan of that show. <laughs> it, it lost me at, at 
kind of early on looking at how long the series has gone on for. I mean, I, I stopped watching around season four, but um, yeah, I I, I but, think it was uh, it was like but, like the the big boom was like probably only like five six years, and then yeah, it died off. But but, it but still what survived, trying, you know. But but what I was trying to say is that I, the the show has reached such a like level of success where it's something that like a lot of people in my family watch the walking dead and still mm-hmm. watch the walking dead. And I'm talking about people in my family that like, you know, are, you know, in their sixties. Yeah. <laughs> and it, I, I'm just saying that, you know, the it, it's it, for a zombie TV show for, for something zo- zombie related at all to reach that level of mainstream uh-huh, uh-huh. where people that don't even watch horror are watching this like as a dramatic series and like you know eating it up mm-hmm. that's fucking insane i don't know are we allowed to cuss on this podcast yeah, of, course, of course of course okay <laughs> so like do it. It, it, it so it's like it's pretty it's pretty you know it's an accomplishment what they were able to do and uh yeah because like my my aunt watches the walking dead and she loves the show and she doesn't watch horror she hates horror she mm-hmm. kind of talks down about it <laughs> you know she frowns upon it but she watches that show and I, I think that's just so impressive, you know, what well, they've been able to do. Yeah, Walking Dead has become a universal. And you know what? It, you know, it's universal. She, I mean, if she a, knew about a Walking Dead convention, I'm sure she would go. She would want to meet the actors and get pictures <laughs> with them. Yeah, um, because it's huge in Japan too, and all that. So, so it's definitely universal. Yeah, the Walking Dead's uh, franchise. Yeah, and mm-hmm. you know, we, me, and Rich, have been watching the Daryl Dixon spinoff series. Yeah, it's good. It's good. Yeah, it's a lot better so, than the other one. It's, it's better than That's the cool. um, Dead City, whatever the G- Jason or G- uh, Jeffrey Dean Morgan and oh, I forgot the other girl. Really eat that show. Guess <laughs> watch everything. Yeah. yeah. Well, no, we stopped uh, watching the De- Dead City. The, it's the one that was it takes place in New York. It's the Negan one. Uh, that yeah. was just. From, from that character, get, from, should, I mean, I never even made it really to that character, but that character should have been killed off a long time ago, from what I understand. Huh? <laughs> well, people love him, and people love Jeffrey Jeffrey D. Morgan, and okay. Uh, okay. he's gonna uh, he's good as the character. But that yeah. show from day from the from the first episode, you could tell that this was written fast. This was just pretty bad. But so, they've been it's, it's been uh, it's been like the, that uh, for a while. Fear yeah. for the Walking Dead. Fear yeah. for the Walking Dead. So at least, so uh, what a surprise! Some good times, good writers, but mostly shit, shit, shit. Right, and so what a surprise when it came to the first two episodes of Daryl Dixon, mm-hmm. because it's actually really, really good. Now it's set in France, and it's really kind of dealing with the same stuff, and it really is a low rent version <laughs> of the The Last of Us because it's basically the same thing. Let uh, me ask you: uh, could, could I watch the show and not have been caught up with the series since season four? Yeah, pretty I much. So. I think so. Yeah, I think. And I think oh, we that's cool. eat... I'm, maybe I'll check it out if, like, if you guys say the show's actually good by the time the season's over. Oh, okay. it's, good. it's good compared to the month. <laughs> compared to the rest of the franchise, yeah. The last like you, four seasons we you, saw. Uh, Ray, Raymond, you haven't seen The Last of Us yet, right? No, <laughs> I gotta watch Last of Us. <laughs> Well, yeah, I don't know if you I'll, have to I'll watch, watch Last of Us, but it, it is a there is a very yeah. similar kind of thing here where Norman. But I should at least check it out just because I love the video game yeah. and just to kind of see how they it compare. Because I know I know the diehard fans of the video game are like the the, the show sucks and not and I'd like to know if I actually agree with them. But watch, watch Summer School and uh, Who's Eric Crumb first? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Uh, all right, you know, actually, summer school's uh, the Shout Factory Blu-ray is on sale on Amazon, so I actually ordered it this morning. Oh, let's let's, let's let's do a revisit of summer school. Fantastic, maybe. 
Um, but uh, it has to be a double feature with with something else. Well, we'll do if uh, uh, who's Harry Crumb? There you go. It will no. be a shiny Smith uh, with a double no. feature. No, okay. I don't. Agree no, but with is this. there any anyone else you saw in, in CreepyCon uh, other than uh, Jack Quaid to uh, Shiny Smith, mm-hmm. Tony Todd, uh, a, a few other people? But I mean, uh, it, not not nothing too big. Um, Okay. What was really cool is I went to um, a concert right after. It was only three miles away from the convention center. <laughs> and um, I went to go see um, uh, Danzig and uh, Suicidal uh, Tendencies. And there were also a bunch of opening bands. So were bands I, I wasn't familiar with. Everyone, everyone was great. But I stayed after the concert. And I was able to, yeah, I was able to meet uh, uh, Mike Muir from uh, Suicidal Tendencies. And uh, I was able to get my uh, Misfits um, vinyl record, uh, The Walk Among Us, uh, autographed by Glenn Danzig. Unfortunately, oh. um, the security guard smudged the autograph a little bit. <laughs> oh, oh, shit. It's still pretty, it's still pretty cool, but... Uh, uh, you gotta let that uh, dry first. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, so you were, you were just waiting in the parking lot for... for and, oh, wow, I didn't realize that you could do that on concerts, that you could uh, wait for them to come out to get... It's like a kind of like a baseball game. <laughs> I, I, I read in the forum that you can do that, and I was like, you know what? I'm gonna try it out. And I, I, I had, I had the vinyl record, and I was like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do it. I have, I had it sealed for a long time because it's actually worth a little bit of money right mm-hmm. now. Yeah. But um, I was like, oh, I'm gonna get this autograph. That'd be so cool. And uh, it, it also kind of made up for it because before, um, before the uh, concert, um, uh, I, I, I bought um some merch from the from the from the merch truck or whatever that was outside and i was hoping they'd had posters and they didn't have any in the truck so as you know i just bought a shirt and a hat and um you know i switched out of the clothes that i had because i was wearing a candy man shirt from from the convention <laughs> so i i dropped that i dropped that off in the car i go back and i go inside the venue and inside the venue is where they were selling the posters and it's like come on man you couldn't sell those outside uh-huh. now i got now I have to be in the pit with this poster. <laughs> so I was I was trying to protect it the whole time. But, but at one point, one of the opening bands, like they were pretty, pretty satanic. <laughs> and there, there was at one point, you know, uh, the, the front man. I see man, a poster like, he, in the audience. <laughs> get it. <laughs> no, that's, I don't even think that's what happened. He threw a Bible and the Bible like bounced off someone's hand and it ended up smacking me in the face. And I was going to pick the Bible up, but I had... Like I was filming it, so I had my phone in one hand, and I had the poster in another hand. And in that very moment, everyone like tackled towards the Bible, and that's the moment that my poster got smashed. <laughs> I was like, I should have just picked up the Bible. <laughs> uh, was this yeah. was this concert better than your previous concert that you went this summer? The Metallica the best concert. The best concert I've, I've been to all year was. Um, yeah, Metallica. Night two of Metallica because the night two is when I was in the pit, and uh, the the second best concert I went to uh, all year was Ghost because oh, yes, they Ghost. they just put on they just put on a really great show, and um, yeah, that was really special. And they recorded the whole thing, so I think that eventually you know they're gonna probably make a a concert DVD or they'll probably use it for music videos or something like that, but. Yeah, I, I can't. I can't wait to see the footage from what they recorded. It was a two night thing, and I, I went for the first night, and uh, yeah, that was awesome. And I, I would say this is probably the, the third best thing I went. I went to all year. Um, very close would be uh, back in May. I saw uh, Red Hot Chili Peppers. Also in May, I saw Ice Cube, and that was also pretty pretty great. 
Yeah. And Smashing Pumpkins were that were were they that that was that was a great show, but I, I like the other ones a bit more. But what was great for Smashing Pumpkins was I was in the very 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 front of the pit. Was Smashing I, Pumpkins? I, I was Taylor Swift. <laughs> I didn't see Taylor Swift. <laughs> you love her, right? I thought you loved her. You're waiting for the concert right, video, but I'm not a movie. I, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't I wouldn't pay for the for the concert movie or for or for the concert. <laughs> uh, would you? Uh, you also went to a Blink 182, right? Didn't, was it Blink? Yeah. Uh, when was that? When was that? Back in June or July? That was cool. That was a good concert too. So you, this was a, a summer of of you know co- uh, horror conventions, concerts, and celebrity signings for you. What a what a year yeah. for you. Yeah. And now you're talking with us, the the creme of the creme, <laughs> <laughs> and still no William Shatner. <laughs> I should I, I should meet William Shatner, right? <laughs> you should. I mean. Knock, yeah. knock. But you know what? The man, I mean, I, I saw an interview with him uh, not long ago with the great, the great, the one and only Steve-O from Jackass oh my God. on on the, uh, on Steve-O's podcast. And, you know, the man still got it. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. He's, like, he's so, he's so like, I mean, he, he's in great health. I mean, that guy's going to, that guy's going to be around. And he still looks great. I don't know about <laughs> riding horses from, from... Well, I don't know about that either. <laughs> Keeps him young. Well, let's talk about a couple of movies that we, we me and Rich recently saw yeah. that, uh, Raymond, you saw this a couple of months ago. Did that I? Once. Oh, well, let's talk about the horror movie because we're, you know, we're in, in the horror movie mode. We're talking about horror movies. And I think this was, I would say, one of the best horror movies of the year. Let's talk about Talk to Me, which is oh, now- Talk ba- to Me, Goose. Which is now available on uh, video on demand. On so. Bay. It's been in theaters this summer, so kind of a, a sizable hit. Not not like a breakout, but certainly a sizable uh, uh, enough for a sequel. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it, I mean, it's really kind of an independent film that A two four picked up. It's an A two four film, right? Right. And this is an Australian movie that was done by a couple YouTubers. And when you hear when I hear YouTubers, I'm like, oh my god, this is <laughs> going to be a piece of shit. Man, was I surprised at how much I really liked the movie a lot. I love yeah. the movie, actually. So, Rich, tell me, uh, what's your thoughts on Talk To Me, just really quick? Well, like you, I, I wasn't expecting much, but once the movie started, I really saw a huge, um, you know, eye-opening experience with the cinematography involved with the film. It's, it, was, it was really poppy. I really enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. The look of it was really, really yeah. good. Yeah, and it, it's... It's very rare, and uh, but the movie itself, yeah, I was impressed by it. It was actually, you know, not too scary, but had its had its thrills. And all in all, the movie uh, it, it was a, a great excitement for me. It was just, you know, it was refreshing. Yeah, and I what I really liked about it, you know, this is, I guess it's like a modern day take on the Ouija board. Mm-hmm. Where the or you know some have said that a monkey Paul, but I think the monkey Paul is it's a little bit different because doesn't monkey Paul represents wishes or I I think it's a little bit of both in a way. So the well the idea the 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 item here or the 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 you know the supernatural concept here is that there's this hand embalmed hand they say it's maybe. Uh, from a dead person or or from a Satanist, you know, they, there's this. No, I think they rumors. said it was a gypsy or something like that. Like a um, yeah, there was all these what? rumors that what what this hand represents or or who, where it belonged to, 
it's encased in like plaster and so mm-hmm. this become i guess this becomes like a party trick for for these teenagers in australia and and mm-hmm. i thought the the depiction of teen life in australia and and or at least in in this film was so believable because what happens is they become addicted to mm-hmm. uh, to uh this game of of kind of uh, communicating with spirits, you know, and, mm-hmm. and the, the, I guess the metaphor there is like they're getting uh, addicted to drugs or they're getting addicted let, to this. They got off on it. Like, yeah. Let me ask you two really quick because I thought like the way uh, this movie kind of handled teens and stuff to me like was so much better and so much more effective than like bodies, 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 for <laughs> yeah, example. Like because I because bodies, bodies, bodies. I think. It's not quite the same thing, but I think they were kind of trying to make this kind of commentary on the youth of today. Yeah. And I think the movie failed miserably mm-hmm. and actually kind of offended me. And I'm not <laughs> even the youth of today, but it kind of offended me. But um, this movie, I'm like, 100%. They, they nailed it while also making an effective horror film. Well, I think this is a horror film that can be very mainstream, but also I think it, it, it satisfies like a kind of um, a little... Art, a little bit of an art house desire or something like that. There, mm-hmm. There's something about it that, um, like, it, you know, it's not a studio film. I don't know how, how other how how other way to say it, but it's still there's something about it that's very accessible. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's yeah. not alienating like other art house horror films. Well, I think the I think the problem with American <laughs> independent films, and let's take uh, Bodies, Bodies, Bodies as the example. Those are centered centered around kids who are rich, like okay. wealthy fucking assholes. And talk to me is really kind of centered around a working class, you know, just normal kids. And they're not. And just from that kind of notion alone, you kind of just just buy into it, and you feel much more. It feels a little more real. I don't. I can't relate to a, a you know, and bodies, bodies, bodies. These kind of. Um, stuck up uh self uh, self-absorbed teenagers and i maybe that's the satirical take on it right they're trying to make was, fun of these but, kids but it just made it kind of insufferable <laughs> yes uh, yes and that's i think maybe and th- and this movie like it, it was different because like i while i did think a lot of the kids in the, in the film were you know kind of annoying yeah. just like dickheads yeah there were some of them where i like legitimately cared about them and that's where a lot of the horror came from like the like the the girl's brother i don't remember the character's name because it's been a w- little bit since i watched it mm-hmm. but i mean a lot of the horror for me came in like oh man i don't want this kid to continue getting hurt i mean because <laughs> like his scenes were very you know graphic well i oh, was yeah. hearing i was hearing a uh an interview with the directors now this is danny and michael Filippo. i think that's how you say their last names and they are extremely Australian. <laughs> they have a you know, really kind of pronounced uh, Aussie yeah. accent. Before you say what you will, I'm going to say really quick that while these guys are like, you know, pretty silly in the interviews I've seen with them, I really respect that they're not pretentious filmmakers. Yes. Because I feel like if yes. this was an American movie, that they would be very pretentious right. about it. And there's going to be some kind of concept or some kind of... Uh, uh, um, you know, a message around these, you know, movies. And I think that's what, you know, Bobby's body's body suffers from. Like it's too much of the message and not enough about getting to a real truth. And uh so the interview, they were talking about how they got the idea of talk to me and it's really was just kind of uh 
simple that 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 they they used to babysit this little kid who, in the neighborhood. He's now grown up into a teenager, and in the social media, he was taking drugs and he was getting high. And and that video of him acting stupid and uh, acting like a fool went around the local neighborhood, and they got really offended by that. Like no one in the in the crowd was helping him out. He's clearly in trouble. He was getting too high off of some kind of drug, and they're kind of were just making fun of them. And, mm-hmm. and, 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 you know, they were like really pissed off about that because yeah. this was someone they, they babysit for, for when they, then they saw this person, you know, grow up. And so that was kind of the, the, the Man. consensus or the, the essence of this movie. I think that's, that's really what you get in this movie. Take away the drug metaphor and just turn into a people getting addicted to talking to spirits and, 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 and that becomes also a, a part of like. You know, some of the teens are dealing with their own trauma about uh, a, a death in the family. So, I, I, yeah, I thought this movie was really, really great and, and yeah. earnest and uh, probably one of the better horror movies I've seen, not just this year, but probably last year, too, you know. Well, uh, and, I think it's just like one, one of the best movies so far this year. Yeah, I mean, I still like uh, um, uh, Blue... Um, Blackberry, Blackberry, Blackberry. That's one. That's... I can I can see why, but the the reason why I would put this a little higher is because the how I was saying this is a very kind of accessible movie. Like this is a movie that I could see myself watching like pretty much every Halloween. Like I think there's a lot mm. of rewatchability to the movie, and like even I fingers crossed, you know, they announce the sequel. You know, hope hopefully they don't mess it up. But I mean, this is a movie where I could see them make multiple sequels, and you know, and there's so many different directions that they could go. They could just go with a whole new characters or just it, the sequels kind of set up in the end of the movie. You know what I mean? They or just away from there. Yeah. There's so many ways it could go. And well, it, um, it really feels that, that, that this hand could just pop up at any part of the world. And, and that's right. what yeah. they, I think at the, at the, once you get to the end of the movie, that's what it feels like that this is not just, this is happening here in Australia, but it could be happening anywhere. I, I, for me, like the last time I could think of a franchise doing that, I guess it's Saw, really. Like the first <laughs> Saw movie was very kind of small, like low budget kind of horror film, even, even, even much smaller movie than this. When you and, go, um, uh, Raymond, when you go to these horror conventions and you're talking to the people, have people yeah. been bringing up talk to me or, or? Yeah, I talked to a few people about it. And, uh, when I was, and, and, well, I didn't talk about this, but when I was in light to meet Rose M- McGowan or from mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Scream. Planet Terror. Uh, yeah, I, that, I heard she had a long line, and w- yeah, when I was in her line, um, yeah, I talked to a lot of people, and yeah, we did talk about talk to me, and uh, everyone liked it. Oh, cool! So it's getting some traction. I, I mean, look, it, it did pretty well in box office. Also, I'd say really quick, I met a lot of people like me that you know are like, "Yeah, Halloween kills, not great. <laughs> Halloween ends, though. <laughs> yeah." <laughs> <laughs> but uh, the difference in this talk to me is uh, than the other films like. Uh, like the ring and also like uh more recently um um uh smile mm-hmm. oh uh, yeah yeah uh they only focus on it on the main character and their haunting whatever this one there was a bunch of hauntings but there was one main character that's involved through the whole thing and um from the outcome at the at at, at her end at and at, at the end of the movie i think she deserves <laughs> uh, so you, you sh- so, she deserves what she got in the movie yeah because <laughs> it, it was it was all it's all um it's all uh um uh fault. um it's all um uh greed mm. on her uh, on her account 
Uh, it's interesting that uh, you br- you bring up um, smile because there is similar kind of you know we're dealing with trauma, we're dealing with you know people seeing things, and, mm-hmm. uh, but I think you know I like smile. I, I'm not I'm not no, uh, no I like no, smile. Yeah, I like smile too. But it, I'm it, saying it's basically the same concept. I mean, it's right, like, right. Uh, but I think but it, I mean it, this it, is a concept that I think we've seen in a lot of horror movies because I think it's all similar to like it follows. Yeah, yeah, in a way, yeah, yeah. yeah. And there's also other movies before that, that that did it. These are just kind of recent examples. I just, I just, my brain's not working right now. <laughs> <laughs> to use smile, smile as an example, that movie, and then this is why I like this probably movie a lot more than Smile. And like I said, I, I, I like Smile a lot. Um, it's that Smile was really heavy on the jump scares and typical kind of uh, yeah. camera tricks. Yeah. Where talk to me as you know, speaking more mainstream. To the, yeah, talk to me to the speaking to the to the to the. The style of the, the directors and their skill that they were really yeah, kind of that's, that's telling kind of a what story. I meant more, that's kind of what I meant more. That has like a bit more of an art house feel. Like mm. it's more, it's not going for the jump scares. Yeah. it's a different type of movie. And um, in that way, it kind of reminded me more, like of a more mainstream version of something like like Hereditary. Mm. Except these, except these directors are just much more likable than Ari Aster. And that's coming from someone that's a big fan of, you know, Midsommar and, and even, even Ari Aster's short films. <laughs> but, um, but I mean, that dude's pretty pretentious. <laughs> <laughs> and it's funny, if you go to their YouTube page, which I think, I forgot what it was called. It was called like Raka Tech or Raka Raka. Raka I think. Yeah, yeah Raka Raka. Uh, it's mostly kind of like prank, you know, type of uh, films, like jokes, a lot of jokey but, stuff. But well-produced. Yes. Yeah, yeah. A lot of special effects. You're like, you know, computer special effects, you, you yeah. know, like they could do in the computer. I mean, it seems like they were building their skills as a director mm-hmm. with YouTube. But you would not, I think from watching those videos on YouTube, I don't think you would uh, ever imagine a, a, like a professional, no. <laughs> proficient film like this. I was so shocked at how much, and this is a feature film debut, so I was so shocked that this felt like a, 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 a two directors who kind of knew what they were, at least had a vision and knew what they were doing. And like I said in the, in the beginning, that this cinematographer, mm-hmm. um, I thought it was brilliant. And, and this is one of his, uh, you know, first big film so far oh really yeah he's called aaron mccluskey mcclitsky and i think he's gonna have a a good future and have him so especially after uh talk to me too if he does it well there you go that's a that's our kind of review we highly recommend talk to me it's now out on vod and uh let's talk about the next movie we saw teenage mutant ninja turtles mutant mayhem it's the computer animated film from uh seth rogan and evan goldberg we're not gonna do a uh voyage mimi voyage of the meter <laughs> no <laughs> oh, boy. you can do that next <laughs> no no no, no, no. no it's not worth it. yeah we did see the voyage of the meter which is the dracula movie it looked past that movie that's it yeah just yeah. give it a pass it's it's not that great it's it's a it's it's had potential. I think actually, I think it's getting some kind of a cult following because it is a kind of a good st- stylistically. It's good. There's a I forgot the director, but the he has done some stuff. Uh, unfortunately, like the second and third act of the movie just doesn't go anywhere. You don't feel anything for the characters. It's it's too generic. It, yeah, it's very generic. I mean, the, you know exactly where it's going from the beginning to the end, 
it's just a long way getting there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's a it's it's unfortunate because I thought I thought for sure that the, the look of it and the feel of it was working. It's just that the the story itself. And I, I wanted more uh, Dracula. I wanted that, you know. I wanted. Mm-hmm. To, I, see, I want to see him more. He's kind of more. Uh, he's more kind of like shot like Jaws. You know, we see only glimpses of him. And no, make him a character. Actually, make him talk. You know, who cares? I make him like a real thing. And I think that but the movie would have been a lot better like that. But the reveal itself, the, it's just the horrible CGI. It's just, just yeah. Eventually, it's just very, too much I mean, compared to, compared to everything else, which was shot pretty well. Yeah. I mean, in fact, you know, the boat and all that stuff like that was practical, and yeah, it, it seemed practical, done very well. But the Dracula itself, very let down. Yeah, I agree. I, How I, long's the movie? Too I, long. Uh, if it was near two hours, but I don't think that's it's that long. That long. I mean, it's no. it's just the, it's well paced. The first half, I think it was well paced. I was getting into it. It just said, um, ultimately, like, oh man, this is not going really anywhere. I'm not feeling anything for this, you know. And it kind of left me blank. It's not very engaging. Yeah. Um, Rich, let's talk about Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles: Mutant Mayhem. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it, now. Would you consider this a box office hit? Or I mean, it did okay. Uh, I'm not I'm sure really. It's like a moderate. Hit. Uh, like a moderate I, success. Yeah, I, I wouldn't call it a hit unless it gets maybe uh, Oscar nominated for the animation. Mm-hmm. Maybe it gets a little bit of a revival at the end. But no, um, um, I'm hoping it has enough for a sequel because it, they definitely set up a sequel at the end. Um, I think it's a little bit le- less than they uh, um, anticipated. Uh-huh. But it was just a bad year. I mean, I mean, other than Barbie and Oppenheimer. Everything else is just, I mean, if Mission Impossible did so poorly, this is, you know, I mean, it's it's just it's just I, a I weird think, year. I think also, unfortunately, the Ninja Turtles brand might have been a little hurt by the recent Michael Bay, you know, movies. Mm. And also not not just the Michael Bay movies, but the um, the recent animated series, the Nickelodeon animated series. Um, they took a lot of, you know, liberties with the show, with, uh, with the animation of the show and... Um, the turtles didn't even look like the turtles, so yes. I think you know it felt like the turtles have kind of been absent for a while, and um, yeah, I think I think that might might have hurt it. But I actually think that you know this movie is going to do well, like on streaming and stuff. And I think because um, they're making an animated series oh, uh, yeah. for the show that with the same voice cast and all that, it's it's going to be in a cheaper animation style, I think two D. But if it has the spirit of this movie, then I think that show is going to do well and it's going to bring in a new audience, which is going to come in and watch the new movie or the sequel to this movie. But um, yeah, I don't I think the movie is just a moderate success. I don't think they lost money or anything, but it's I don't think they're they made the the profit that they were hoping to make. Well, I think the movie uh, I, I agree with you. I think the movie might have a second life in on, you know, on uh Paramount Plus, and and I think uh, it might. Well, hopefully they put it on some other streaming services <laughs> as well. Yeah, maybe eventually it will hit some other. Um, you know, yeah, yeah, Netflix. Netflix would really help it. This yes, this would have been a, actually a pretty cool acquisition if Netflix, you know, bought the streaming rights. But you know, this is Paramount Plus, yeah. and Paramount's going to get that uh, rights. And I'm kind of surprised it didn't do very well uh, internationally too. Me too. Yeah, that's shocking. Yeah, I guess I think you're. I think Raymond's a little bit right here. I think the t- Ninja Turtles brand is maybe a little long in the tooth. I, I think. Yeah. To a certain person who is, you know, in his thirties, 
my this is the one this is the movie they've been waiting for for all these years uh but i think uh, for younger audiences i don't know if they have that that close of a relationship with the with the franchise and also, then you could have said uh, the same thing about barbie but i mean uh, well i think barbie is not that's good marketing yeah i don't think yeah. barbie is ne- necessarily uh targeting young women or young girls it's really hitting the millennials i think millennials went to see that movie people in their 30s went Fucking to see that movie in, in see droves and they probably brought their their uh, little children to the movie mm-hmm. as well i think gen z also went to go see it right and uh, yeah i guess so i guess so yeah but i mean i think the yeah. driving force was was millennials or someone like I don't know. Maybe maybe I'm, I'm well, wrong I'll, about the numbers, but that's what well, it seems I, like. I, I want to say something really quick about Ninja Turtles um, because um, I think because uh, I, I I I'm a big Ninja Turtles fan, so I've seen like all, I've seen all the movies, even like you know ones that I always thought looked bad, like the Michael Bay ones. And I'll say I'm not a big fan of the first Michael Bay Ninja Turtles movie. I have a lot of issues with it, but the second Ninja Turtles movie, the, the out of out of the shell, I think it was called the second Michael Bay one, the mm-hmm. Michael Bay produced one. I really like that movie a lot, and I think that movie really captured the spirit of the animated series. So for so for someone like me that you know loved the animated series as a child, like I I really really liked the second uh, Michael Bay movie, and I think the second Michael Bay movie was really listening to the criticisms fans had of the first movie but the first movie was so horrible that if you look at the box office that second michael bay movie made i think less than half what the first one made Mm -hmm. so i think that first michael bay ninja turtles movie really really damaged the brand really badly because that was a garbage movie (laughs) yeah it's really bad and and um yeah I mean, even even when they made a sequel that listened to the fans and did everything they wanted, it was it was just too late. the the ba- The brand was already damaged, and the new and the animated series, you know, it, the turtle again, the turtles didn't even look like the turtles and stuff. <laughs> so, I mean, I think the brand's just been kind of it's been hurt for a while. But as a turtles fan, I I really love this new movie. I think it's the best turtles related thing since the original movie. And I, I really do think that there's going to be a following for this movie. It's just going to take a little time. Remember uh, Spider-Verse, the first one? Yeah. It wasn't the box office sensation. Yeah. But this new one, it's a massive hit. And I think we talked about this before, maybe maybe not on the podcast, but I think a lot of it has to do because of Netflix. Because I think Netflix is really where a lot of people watch uh, the first Spider-Verse. And um, yeah, I mean, hopefully, <laughs> hopefully they put this on Netflix because I think that would really help it. Well, mm-hmm. I would say this about Mutant Mayhem. It, it, I was surprised about how exciting it is, it, and I think it does hold or it does owe a lot to owes a lot to animation films like Spider Man across or Spider Man across the Spider Verse. It's a certain same feeling, same kind of visual look. Uh, so I was actually quite pleased with the film. It's it's, it's you know I'm not a big uh, Mutant Ninja Turtle fan, but. Um, I mean, I like I grew up on 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 them, but I mean, it's not something I really. I'm not look. I wasn't looking forward to watching this movie. By the way, I mean, were, you, were you more of a fan of like the comic book? I well, you know, the comic book. I definitely heard about the comic book. I never really read the comic book, but the the, the comic book was much more n- known for me because I, you know, I was in. That was the late '80s, '90s. Uh, that was kind of like. You know that was kind of one of the main independent films. That that success story was kind of uh, everywhere. You heard about that story about how they, you know, made this this comic book on their own and it, they self published and it became this big 
uh, uh, franchise and they were able to, you know, get, make a lot of money from it. Uh, so that was like kind of everyone's dream. Uh, and now a lot of people were able to capitalize on that. You know, there's a lot of, there was a lot of independent cartoonists and, and comic book artists in the eighties who were trying to have the same success and it, and it didn't work out. Uh, so yes, the comic book was definitely in the zeitgeist and I, I, me- I remember hearing it. Uh, but I was, it was like a, it was like an inspirational story for a lot of people. Oh yeah. For the, for, if you were, if you had a comic book and you know, and you didn't really necessarily want to draw for, for Marvel or DC and you want to just do your own thing. The Ninja Turtles was like your, your shining star that you were looking forward to. You know, you were, that was it. That was the beak. That was the beacon of hope. And even though I didn't really read about it, I mean, I, I, I was a big comic fan back then. It, it was everywhere. You, you knew it and you seen the, mm-hmm. the, the artwork and you know, the, the thing. And so when the movies came out in the nineties, I was kind of disappointed by it because it was much more skewed for kids. Although now watching the first uh, Ninja Turtles movie, the 19, was it 92? Uh, there's something about that. that has a 90s nostalgia, so I do like it for that reasons. But I remember when that when that came out, I was like, oh. Uh, because, you know, the comic was much more mature and it was, you know, it was, I, I felt betrayed, I guess, a little bit. <laughs> And then, they were but, trying to please like both audiences, though, like for the animated series. Yeah, and the, the, comic the cartoon book. came out, and I guess the cartoon was much more. Po- yeah, the, I mean, this definitely was much more popular than the independent comic book. I mean, the comic book was black and white, right? Yeah. So yeah, I mean, I, that's why I didn't pick it up. <laughs> so that. Uh, <laughs> so yes, the cartoon was much more popular, and, and people I care, were much more known about the animated series than than the comic book. So. Um. But I, I do, I do remember them trying to come back. I mean, in the nineties, you should be more mad at the animated series for <laughs> for, for causing the movie to be more that's, uh, that's child friendly. That's true. Uh, but at the same time, if it weren't for the animated series, the movie probably would have never happened. Yeah, yeah, I do, I do remember they tried to do a like kind of reboot in the nineties. They did like a Sin City style. They made it more gritty. It was uh, it was going back the to turtles? the base. Yeah, turtles. They did like a. Oh, the comic book? Yeah, the comic book. They, they did like a oh, Frank okay. Miller, Sin City's look. They were, I forget what was the, the arc or what was it called? The graphic novel was called. But I mean, it was it was going back to the basics after all this, you know, after the, the two movies and the cartoons. They were trying to show, you know, the people who were, who were originally uh, uh, familiar with the kind of the gritty the comic book. They, they were trying to, you know, go back to the, the Daredevil inspired one. Yeah, yeah. To, to go back to Mutant Mayhem, I think this is it was a actually a very fun movie. It's a, it's a action packed, you know, and uh, and really a coming of age story about these kids. Now I have kind of problems with it. You know, I didn't like what they did with uh, um, uh, um, the Jackie Chan uh, Splinter. I didn't, like, you mm. know, because they really just make him, they made him into a father. I liked it. I, not yeah. Splinter, not, Oh yeah, it was Splinter. Yeah, it's Splinter. Yeah, Splinter. Um, because I really thought that that guy was like much more of like a. I mean, maybe this is why they went more with the father uh, tone, but you know, he was to me he was much more like a animated a version. Sensei? Or, uh, yeah, sensei or, or more a, like a, a Miyagi, a Miyagi type, and yeah, he's, he's less he of was. a Miyagi and more kind of like a 
a doting father, you know, yeah, over overprotective well, it's, father. It's it's a new take. It's, it's a, a new, new take. take, and it definitely it definitely goes with the kind of Seth Rogen kind of coming of age style, this kind of super bad type of thing that we've seen we've seen him kind of do before. So I, I think it feels it fits his branding. And I think, you know, he did it to full effect. And like, I, I, I really, I really like Splinter in the movie. I thought the kind of, uh, the fatherly love kind of thing for me really, really worked. Um, I don't know if it would have worked if I was, if I was still a child, I, maybe I would have been more like that. That's not my Splinter, <laughs> but as, 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 as older I get, you know, I'm like, yeah, I, th- this works for me. <laughs> and, uh, I, I, it, it, it worked for me. And I think Jackie Chan was incredible in the movie yeah i thought his performance yeah, yeah. were actually really his performance is really kind of what sold me on this take on on splinter yeah I mean, and he, um, he, he he actually was really really good and i go wow that's the best english and i've heard cube. from him you know like he's like actually acting here in in, in the in this in this movie you know yeah him I and ice cube are great huh him and ice cube are great <laughs> oh Ice Cube was good too. Yes, Ice Cube as the voice. Yeah, he, as the Superfly. Um, yeah, the I think, thing that bothered me as, and this is a fanboy thing, but the thing that bothered me personally was I didn't think it was necessary to have made all of these characters, like a lot of these mutant characters, um, creations of uh, of of, um, of, uh, of of Baxter uh, Stock, Stockman. Is it? I, I didn't. I don't think they oh. should have been his all of his creations because I. I I, I like you know Bebop and Rocksteady having their own origin story. I didn't think it was necessary to kind of make them like Superflies, like brothers or whatever. Right, or just, right. They're yeah. all cousins. Yeah. Yeah, I, I did. I, I liked how they were connected to the turtles. I thought that was a kind of new take that worked for me. I just didn't. Yeah, I, I didn't like this. Um, the I, I, I didn't like Bebop and Rocksteady. You know. I just didn't like them being part of this new origin. I thought they could have been saved for a sequel and they could have just been uh, someone else's creation. Yeah, yeah, it just didn't work for me. But it, it's a, it's just a tiny thing. And um, the other mutants in the movie, like, I, I there was the frog character. I, I know he's from um, the, the animated series. There's, there's supposed to be four of them. I didn't care about that <laughs> because it was really Bebop and Rocksteady. You know, they were... They were like two kind of very big characters in, in the animated show for me. So, um, how about? Yeah, uh, I mean, it's just a it's just a fan pick. How but, about Mondo Greco or Gecko? I don't. I honestly don't even remember him at all. But <laughs> he, I thought Paul Rudd was was really funny in the movie. I liked him. Yeah, me too. I liked and, him. Yeah, the, 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 I thought it. There was. A I lot thought there of... could have been a little bit more of the mutants, but I thought everyone was fun. Even like like I was funny. It's funny because you know I say that this is owes a lot to the Spider Man across the Spider Verse because even with some of the voices for I, I'm sure I'm not sure which one it, uh, you know which turtle it was, but one of the turtles sound a lot like Jake Johnson, right? Right, uh, uh, Raph. Yeah, uh, maybe right. I forgot which one it was, but it has that kind of uh, um, you know like that horsey or voice, you know. And I go, man, this. Almost feels like a you know Spider Verse. I not I was not a big fan of the human uh, animation or how they made the humans look. Mm-hmm. Everyone looked pretty ugly. <laughs> I love the turtles. the The design of the turtles. The turtles was actually awesome. 
but all the humans were actually pretty ugly. I, I, I thought maybe it was intentional. Though. Yeah, it was definitely. Well, I mean, I think the director said something about how he wanted this to feel like a kid's con- or a kid draw- drawing a comic book. He made it, that's true because all the humans are, are like mutants themselves. <laughs> they were. <laughs> I, I I didn't I didn't like the design of the the humans. I think they could have been a little bit prettier. But uh, you know that's a nitpick. I don't know, Rich. What was your thoughts on the movie? Uh, I think I think you actually quite enjoyed this movie. Yeah, I did like it, but um, uh, I thought the third act would felt a little long at the end. Mm-hmm. Um, but all in all, yeah, I, I was I was entertained by it. Uh, I I too didn't like the uh, the um, the use of uh, uh, of how the splinters uh, knew. Um, origin well, mm-hmm. i guess you could say mm-hmm. um and also i kind of agree with raymond about the uh the um the two uh seth rogan and uh john cena john cena's characters bebop and rocksteady i think that's true they they were a little less i mean because those two are those two characters are are known to be very popular and they <laughs> could have been they could have been more used in a in a in the sequel if it was um but you love Post Malone in it, right? I did. <laughs> I thought he was. I thought his, his, his parts was funny. <laughs> uh, um, uh, I, I didn't really like uh, I uh, I uh, I O Barry um, from the um, the bear from uh, from the bear. She was all right. I, I I didn't. I I expected to like her character a lot more. Oh, the the take the take they took with the character, right? She's a high schooler. She's a high school journalist, or she wants to be a journalist, right? Well, I think I think that's actually something that they started doing in the in the recent uh, animated series, the one that I said like the, where the turtles don't even look like the turtles. Because mm. I know I know in that one, um, April's also like a high school student, and I, so I think that kind of it started this new trend where <laughs> we're probably going to just start seeing April be. A high school student, which in many in many ways kind of makes sense since the turtles are teenagers. But I mean, yeah, that's that that's just something that's going to be happening. Let me say, on. let me say this: I love the soundtrack. Yes, the soundtrack uh, was yeah. awesome. Trent Reznor and oh yeah, yeah. No, I'm not talking about yeah. the score. I'm talking about the actual. Uh, oh okay, soundtrack. Yeah, the, the, the music. Oh, okay, they had De La Soul. Oh. I forgot they had that. The score couple. was good too, though, man. Yeah. Like right from the opening of the movie. Yeah, and the 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 best part is that they use four non blondes. My favorite remix of, <laughs> from that viral video. Uh, Recently, yeah. In- yeah, inventive. Yeah, here's here's a. See, they used that kind of remix. I don't know if it was a, a um, remade or, but that was the, the, the you know the 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 viral the kind of one of the first viral videos, uh, okay. before YouTube, uh, where they used He Man to to do a video a music video for not for non blondes. Oh, okay. And it's the same kind of like uh, you know house music remix of it. And to use it as like kind of a action sequence, I thought that was brilliant, you know. <laughs> and I, I know Post Malone did a kind of his own version or something like that. But uh, yeah, I love the kind of the, the soundtrack. I, I wish more films would. And I don't know if people. Really, 
maybe this is much more of an older sound of rapping or the hip hop. Well, that all the soundtrack was definitely you know that was Seth Rogen all over it. You know, what uh-huh. I mean? uh-huh. that has his fingerprints all over it. Well, I was a big fan of it. It's it's more late nineties hip hop than like say the newer stuff, right? Well, so. Oh yeah. Well, I liked all this stuff. Like I mean, they had like Wu Tang in there. Uh, I think they had like a couple because they had the old dirty bastard. I think there was also mm-hmm. a Wu Tang song. Yeah, and, it was yeah, all it was, it was all great. That's cool. And also they had a uh, they had an old dirty bastard song. That I was like, is this even appropriate to have in the children's? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was a lot of that. <laughs> so I mean, overall, I did I did enjoy the movie a lot. So uh, mm-hmm. you definitely check it out. It's on uh, uh, Paramount Plus. Mm-hmm. Uh, Raymond, right away, he went to see this in theaters and he loved it. It's one of your favorite movies of the year, right? Yeah, definitely. Like, and and I think it's going to definitely be in my top ten by the end. Like, uh, it, as of now, it's like either number five or six. But yeah, it's great. Oh. Uh, so it's going to be past lives. It's going to be in your top 10 past lives. Uh, this mute. Well, I think, I think I have talked to me in front of past lives. So it's like talk, talk to me, past lives, uh, blackberry. Um, I feel like there's something I'm forgetting though. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know. Yeah. I can't, I can't remember what I saw, but yeah, last week, <laughs> <You know? laughs> uh, time is a flat circle. They say, uh, yeah, but past lives, I, I you know, I, you know, I we talked about this. The past lives I I, I liked a lot. I think the everyone should check that out. It's a great film from A two four. Great kind of romantic drama. Uh, Richard didn't like it that much, but uh, you liked it enough, right, Rich? Past lives. Yeah, it wasn't horrible. Right. <laughs> yeah. It was... <laughs> I, love, I, I think I, I like past lives a lot, but I think also what I, I loved about it is just that it felt, it, for me, it, it felt like such a very long time that we, we got a movie like that. Mm. And I really appreciate that movies like that are still getting made. And and I actually think I think it's a great movie. Uh, maybe if I was if I saw like, you know, 10 other movies like that this year, I, it wouldn't maybe rank as high. Oh, but I again, yeah. it, I, it, it feels like it's been a very, very like years since. Maybe the last movie that I saw that was like that that reminded me of that was like maybe like something like the worst person in the world, which was a long time ago, right? It feels to me like it was a long time. It was ago. like two years ago, two years ago, which it's a movie well, that I really okay. really enjoyed well, to too. Me, to, to me, it feels like it was a long time ago, two years. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's a, that's the thing. I mean, uh, I, Smile was was Smile last year. Yeah, Smile was last year. I think so. Mm-hmm. But that seems like like a decade ago or something. You, the Terrifier, t- Terrifier Two was last year. Around this yeah. came out around the same time. This last yeah, year, yeah, you're right. Huh? And it seems it's like crazy. decades ago. Um, yeah, wasn't that two years ago? You're sure? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, Rich, really quick, Ahsoka TV series. <laughs> You've refinished it. Oh, barely. <laughs> Give me your Did thoughts. Did it get better? Give me your thoughts on now that you're done with Ahsoka. I'm done with Dave Filoni. <laughs> I'm done with him. He's he's so uh, he's so in love with his characters, and and I am not. <laughs> stop stop forcing me. <laughs> I'm literally forcing me uh, to, to to with these new characters and stuff like that. That I you just don't you, you can't just bring up characters like this and then just pe- automatically people love it of course there's star wars fans that do that and uh you gotta give them some kind of a background and stuff like that to, well, to I, have I, them I haven't, have, I haven't seen the series i haven't seen the series but aren't these characters that were on the animated show yeah that's what i'm saying yeah okay. i mean i mean you, i mean unless you, you 
you're already in love with them, that's fine. I mean, you, you'll you'll you might enjoy a lot more. But um, from me, who who has never saw a cartoon version of it, um, it's just uh, um, you know, it's just so boring. Mm-hmm. So he made uh, it very just, unaccessible. If you're not already a fan of his animated shows, yeah, yeah, and, and but but all, even if he were, it's written so so blandly, and uh, uh, Rosario Dawson, who I usually love and everything she does, talk about pulse. There was none. <laughs> uh, uh, it, it, there, it was like it was like watching wallpaper set. It's like you know, it's like uh my character, it's like, blah. <laughs> and then uh, the, uh, the only interesting was Ray Winstone, who unfortunately passed away. Mm-hmm. So um, uh, it's just so sad. Uh, and the, the newcomer, um, uh, what are, uh, uh, Ahsoka's Apprentice? Oh, my God, what a fucking disaster of a character. Uh, just a, 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 like a helium balloon. Just deflating, uh, fi- that, uh, you know. Is that the Ezra? No, no, it's it's not the Ezra. It's the one who's in love with Ezra would do, but you can't say it. Say beam, Sabim, uh... <laughs> Sabine, yeah, oh, Sabine, yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh, it's like a, <laughs> it's like a, a long, long ass part of a character, like. Yeah. <laughs> oh my oh, god! Rich. It's just. It's just I mean, uh, and, and there's a, and what's her name? The green girl. The um. There you go. Calm down, Rich. Here we go. And the green girl, uh, I forget her name, uh, uh, but the uh, the actress that we also uh, like, Mary uh, Elizabeth Winston. Who, again, another actress that I, 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 I could I could watch in, in anything. It's another. Oh yes, it, it's just the, 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 this whole series is just dull, yeah. dull. As, Dull, dull, dull. It made me want to, want to watch the Clone Wars again, whatever, the second mm-hmm. Attack of the Clones, whatever. It's, 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 Whoa. Yeah. Well, that like was that. the inspiration for the animated series. So. Yeah. Yeah. And we do yeah. get a glimpse of the, the Clone Wars the live, and a live action Clone Wars when they do a flashback scene, you know? Yeah. Because uh, uh, they brought it's back. It's not worth it. It's not worth it. They brought back Hayden Christensen to do uh, mm-hmm. Anakin again. Spoilers. Mm-hmm. I, well, I mean, pictures. I think that's it's been everywhere. Whatever. But <laughs> uh, yeah, it's just yeah. Let me say this because I I did watch I I did watch most of the the, the episodes. Whales. There's yeah. There's flying the floating whales. Dave wow. Filoni's characters. I guess they do work animated, but when you bring them in live action, it looks weird. They have these tentacles as ears or hair. You know, and they look like oh, no, no, they, no, no, no. That 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 character is um, it, it was not right, right, right. Jedi. But. I know, but even the look of it, she has goggles. She looks like a cyberpunk, uh, yeah, uh, or, or or not cyberpunk, uh, um, steampunk. It looks like a steampunk uh, version of Star Wars, right? And I don't know if that fits in the live action aspect or the you know in a world with live action. Same goes with uh, Ahsoka, the main star. She's a weird-looking character. She has it, tentacles for hair or, or ears. I don't even know what it is. And it looks probably pretty cool animated, but when they bring it back, or they brought it to life in, in live form, it just looks like a cartoon character in life well, form. It looks like cos- cosplay to me. A lot of it looks she like She worked cosplay. in Mandalorian, though. 
That's so, yeah, it's so strange because like, uh, um, it's like a different kind of performance in, in, in this, I don't know. She's he, probably, look, you know what's funny? She's probably doing exactly what they did on the, on yeah. the animated series. That's that you what remember? it feels like. Like because I watched I watched the first season of the Clone Wars animated series or maybe the first two seasons I, don't, I honestly don't remember, and I watched it because you know people are always talking about like how great that show is and whatever. So I I tried to give it a chance, and I hated it. I hated it so much. And everything that you're saying right now, that's how I felt about that Clone Wars animated show. What I watched of it, and for me, it just sounds like he just basically did that in live action. No, yeah, yeah, they yeah. got. I mean, Dave Filoni. Just go back to cartoons, man. This is it, man. It's, well, he's going to take over the franchise. He's oh, going to be so. <laughs> that's so sad, man. It's, it's really so sad. Out. Uh, there you go. That's uh, Ahsoka. Now available on Disney Plus. Everybody, uh, let's talk. Let's end this episode real, really quick with what Martin Scorsese has said recently about uh, the comic book movies. Invading cinema, maybe even ruining cinema. You know, he has a movie coming out on Apple TV. Well, actually, he's, it's coming out in theaters. It's going to be available on Apple TV pretty soon, I guess later in the year. Killers of the Flower Moon, it was uh, premiered in Cannes. It did pretty well there. Critics kind of liked it. It's a three-hour-plus epic. Uh, really three, taking yeah, three and a half hours, right? Yes, it's a, it's a big, big movie. Everyone's talking about the performances in the movie, so it, I, I could see a movie like that, that getting a lot of nominations for its performances. I don't know if it, the movie itself is going to be nominated, but it is a big deal for Apple TV. They're probably going to push it for Oscar considerations. But so while promoting the movie, he has you know come you know he's not a fan of comic book movies, and he has come out and said like mm-hmm. uh, that that we need to push back uh, that the comic book. Uh, movies are kind of ruining the business or the industry or the, and he also mentions franchise films and uh, um, there's a lot of pushback online and people are saying that like, he's out of touch. He's a, they call him the, the guard. Uh, I forget what they call it. A guardian well, of, of, you know, the old guard. Well, he's I'll, an say, old guard. I'll say this. I'll say this really quick. I agree with everything Martin Scorsese has said. I just think he's phrasing this in a way where he's not, really getting his point across. Mm-hmm. And I think he's really doing this in the, I, I don't think it's like doing it. On, um, I don't think he's trying to like piss people off. Like, I think he's just, he's cause I, well, we talked about this like a long time ago in the past mm-hmm. uh, many times. I think Mike probably talk about it better than me. Cause I think he's the one who told me about it. That like, you know, there was like a lot of like, you know, professors, like it worked, and colleges and stuff oh, yeah, that, yeah. you know work in film departments and all that there was a twitter thread the, the, a couple years ago where a long twitter thread where or x thread <laughs> where they were talking about how these uh, professors in in college of uh, film school uh, colleges and all the students in the film school didn't necessarily was familiar with some some like goodfellas or you know some of these movies that came out in the 90s and and yeah. We're not, yeah, we're not even talking about classics. Like we're talking about just like recent classics. Yeah, nineties, eighties. We're not even talking movies. about movies from like the. We're not even talking about like movies from the fifties or like forties, sixties. Like, and their like vocabulary, their 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 <laughs> film vocabulary, only kind of were revolving around superhero movies or Marvel movies. There was one response where they were saying like, 
most of the students was not necessarily in or not in the class because they wanted to become filmmakers. They just wanted to get into the business, you know, as whatever, a producer <laughs> or a production designer or whatever. It, it, it wasn't really about making movies. It was just wanting to get into the business somehow. And so that that shocked me, you know. You know, obviously they're talking about young kids and, you know, you got to give them some room to grow. And maybe, you know, maybe they initially all high school kids are, you know, just aren't familiar with Marvel movies. But then but they it's eventually. Still, it's still so, like, disheartening to see just, like, the passion for the arts just disappear. Because, like, mm-hmm. high schools when they're really supposed to kind of have that creative thrive, right? And it's, like, kind of, you know the mentality is just completely different than what it once once was. And then like just seeing um, uh, how a, lo- a lot of these, like, you know, students aren't even kind of familiar with these movies and they're just growing up with this kind of, this this kind of different outlook on what cinema is. And it's just, it, it, it's sad. It's hard. And I think this is really kind of what Martin Scorsese is talking about. Yes. And, uh, and I think there's a lot of people online that just really aren't aware of this. Well, and and they and they seem to pretend that Martin Scorsese is just this out of touch old man. Yes, that's what but I hate it, the most about the reaction to this. You know, they call him the old guard of, of directors, or he's out of touch, or he's older, he's a boomer, or whatever. And I th- th- that just comes from a lack of really knowledge of what, who Martin Scorsese is. Now, Scorsese is one of my well, Scorsese is one of my favorite uh, filmmakers of all time. This is just, it's just one of your favorite people. Well, look, let me get an answer that, uh, whatever, the, okay. about your uh, Twitter feed. Um, oh, yeah, right. Uh, I, I'm, I'm just going to say that I, I don't think it's anything new to that because all those kids or whatever, mm-hmm. um, they probably look up to probably um, their uncle or whatever, their, even their parents, who are probably film producers up already. Oh, you mean so, yeah? If it's definitely yeah, there's, S- there's nothing new to it. USC. I mean, there's, there, I mean, <laughs> I mean. Uh, their 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 hero could be Avi Arad, who was probably the same guy. I mean, you know, it's it's, it's the same thing. It, it's it's it, uh, you know, the, the, and that this kind of uh, look and and life is has been dead for a long time. This is nothing new. Mm-hmm. Well, I'll say what you're saying is definitely probably true for you know a, a portion, but I mean, I think that 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 portion has probably you know multiplied by a lot in you know the you know the last past decade or two. Yeah. I agree with that. I mean, it's just the sign of time. Sad. <laughs> and 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 Martin Scorsese doesn't deserve to be trashed for basically pointing this out. Even though, again, I would say that I don't think he's doing the best job of you know phrasing this. And I and I, while to me, I don't think he's trying to piss people off. I mean, unfortunately, I mean, or fortunately, who cares? But I mean, for some people, these movies are like really important for them. I mean, they grew up with them, so they take real offense. You know, I don't take offense because. Well, I do like a lot of comic book movies, especially like the Batman stuff. You know, I, I, I agree with him. I agree with everything that he's saying. Yeah, I mean, I think, to, to, well, to go back to who Martin Scorsese is, he's a guy who's not, I wouldn't say he's a old guard because he's not, he always fought for the movies he made. You know, you, you, know, you, you hear these stories about, you know, even something like... Uh, um, he still fights for his movies. Uh, yeah, I mean, like The Last Temptation of Christ was like a movie that he... Fought for many years to get made financially. He had a good from foreign, uh, you know, investors. Same thing with uh, Irishman, which was you know he had to go to Netflix. He didn't necessarily need to go. He wanted to go to Netflix. He wanted to uh, the studio to to do the movie. He goes wherever wherever the money is to get his passion projects. Silence is another one where it took forever. 
a couple decades. I you think don't that's see his that last true science uh, uh, is last true passion project because yeah, I mean obviously and, and obviously you, nobody wanted that one but him. And you don't see that type of dedication or passion for movies, you know, waiting decades and and building and waiting for the right moment. Not even waiting for the right moment, just waiting for financing to get to the point of you know to film it. When you're dealing with Marvel movies or you're dealing with franchise movies, you're dealing with these kind mm-hmm. of uh, mainstream movies because it's really just hey. I'm going to pick a director. This director is going to do exactly what I say. Or, you know, either I'm Kevin uh, or Feige or whoever's on the top, and I'm going to pick a, you know, a, a screenwriter. This screenwriter is going to do whatever I say. You know, that screenwriter could be Jeff Lee uh, or Jeff Loveless or whatever, the guy who wrote the <laughs> Ant- Ant-Man. And, you know, and we're going to put them together. And, and then these projects are put like pieces of a, of a, of a puzzle instead of like passion and, and, and you know, talk about storytelling and, and even like even talk about the reason why we should put these movies out. Is there a reason for for the Marvel, you know, the the new movie that's coming out, the Marvels? You know, is there a real reason for that movie? Is it saying something other than, hey, let's make a lot of money for it, you know? And I think that's what Scorsese is talking about. And, yeah, you know, there's, there's value to these movies because, you know, in a, a lot of them are entertaining. But they're not yeah. they're necessarily saying anything deep. You know, even say something like Black yeah. Panther, which I think here's another great example of, of 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 a movie that's absolutely brilliant. But would it have been better if, let's say, you know, uh, uh, um, Ryan Coogler didn't have that uh, uh, weight of Marvel on it? Would it have been better if he could, was almost freed up to make his kind of superhero movie? Basically, yeah. if he had made that movie before the MCU, uh, like back, like like Blade or whatever, right, right, right. Yeah, I mean, or like Sam Raimi's Spider Man. Yeah, um, and yeah, it would be, it would be, but you know, it also probably wouldn't have gotten made under under those circumstances. Yes, and that's that's another thing. I mean, we can't, you know, as, as much as like people are trying to uh, are bitching about like the you know Marvel movies or comic movies or. That, that, that somehow they're they're kind of um, oppressed properties, you know. No, you know, superhero the only movies. People oppressed, the only people oppressed are the people making those visual effects. <laughs> yes, exactly. But I'm saying, that, you know, these these are mainstream movies. These are made by committee, and to to deny that, or or you know, to you know. Maybe Scorsese is not saying the right words. Maybe he's saying that these movies, who who cares if it's a superhero movie? There are mainstream films that are made by committee. Let's stop doing that. Let's actually start. So what making... you're trying to tell me is, what you're trying to tell me is that you think Martin Scorsese would love El Chicano. I think he would. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> the, the Bad Bunny one? <laughs> no, no, the, the one from uh, the independent film. No, I think he would love... I think he would love the the Good Samaritan or the Samaritan. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, the Sylvester Stallone movie. Yes. No, no, no. I don't know. I'm, I'm, look, I'm not saying I'm not saying that there there can't be a a, a really <laughs> terrific comic book movie that no, will, I, that will speak no, he, to. He wasn't specifically comic book movies. He right, was superhero movies. It was superhero movies. It's also I mean, franchise. We have, he was talking about we franchise. Have brilliant comic book movies. I mean, we have truly brilliant comic book movies mm-hmm. i mean we had road to perdition history of violence uh we had like you know uh there there should be some other logan logan's yeah, the, yeah, logan. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah even when talking about superheroes yeah logan man 
so and there and there are so there's there are certain movies that could be made from these um one shot cre uh, creations that are from, from comic books like swamp thing swamp thing could be a brilliant movie uh, out there mm -hmm. i mean it could be a uh, it's it's got that like uh, you know it's almost like a cronenberg thing it's, it's sort of like a uh, like a creature of a black lagoon like uh, like the, what um, Guillermo del Toro did in um, shape of water you can make some kind of film off of that and then get a cabbie ward off of it. It's basically, I mean, it's the same kind of story uh, figure. It's a Frankenstein kind of thing. Mm -hmm. But, um, but it, it's just, it's the superhero genre that he's, that he's saying it's, 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 it's killing Hollywood. Plus also franchises is relying on franchises all the time, relying on franchises, that are um, they they rather the the studios relying on IP that is known that, that they'd rather go with IP um, IP they rather gamble on IP product than an origin original product to me for sure. Fast and the Furious and another example, even though there's only one installment so far, I think a great example is Uncharted. Really, mm -hmm. like that's like a. a IP roller coaster bullshit that they studio shitted out and it's just visual effects and shitty acting and pure garbage really uh, let me ask you this uh, how much is that you know blame I guess blame blame is I don't know yeah. if that's the right word but how much do you blame the studios for that outcome or do you blame the audience who are coming to the movie theaters for, for those type of movies I mean who is to I maybe it's a share blame it is a little bit of a shared blame, but I think it goes more to the studio because they keep pushing it and pushing it until the audience just rejects it. Mm. And it's like, why does it even have to get that far? Right. This was happening to franchise movies back then also, but those right. franchise movies didn't cost as much. Yeah, that's true. That's it's an extraordinary amount of money that's being spent nowadays. But uh, Tarantino mm. was famous for saying that he didn't, he doesn't like 80s movies because it was too mainstream and, and all that. Uh, personally, because I grew up on '80s movies, I love those movies, and I think what the difference between the the studio made '80s movies compared to now, because I think there's similarities, but they were done by filmmakers who pushed back, uh, filmmakers who were willing to say no to certain things and had limits, and they were pushing movies yeah. that not necessarily about, you know, branding or or or, or you know IP. They were kind of pushing uh, storytelling. That's why and I think all, all the classic. Of, well, and there's, I, I think that's why you, you, when you think of the classic '80s movies or just classic movies of the last uh, forty years, a lot of it came out of the, that time. Uh, E.T., you know, Indiana Jones. These are kind of considered mainstream movies, but they are also now known as classics. And I don't know if we're going to get the same thing with a lot of these MCU movies. Obviously, Black Panther probably will will be remembered as a great one. Endgame, but I mean, compared to the rest of it, I don't know if there's the same uh, 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 ra ratio. You know, I, I don't know. But but the filmmakers in the '80s um, also um, also had a lot more creativity as far as like um, bringing their their projects. I mean, they're putting they're making the, the back then they made the dollar uh, stretch for you know a, a mile wide compared to uh, today's uh, directors. Who rely on special effects now? I mean, they they go okay. We'll, we'll we'll direct this part, and that's that, and that's it. Okay, and then they go special effects. We'll handle the rest. Yeah, you and, know what? You know what? Let me. Uh, sorry for interrupting you, brother, but this kind of adds to your point in a way. But uh, I I remember when I was growing up, like I thought filmmaking was incredibly intimidating. 
But part of the reason why I thought it was incredibly intimidating is because there was so much like practical effects involved, even in like at, like the most basic shot where you wouldn't you wouldn't expect there to be like you know some type of creative like uh, some type of like um, I don't know construct construction some type of miniature or something and, and to try to get a certain shot or I don't there was a lot of creativity in filmmaking that you don't see anymore. It's just all like oh digital right or just put a green screen or something and. Filmmaking now is really like, I don't want to sound like a dick, but <laughs> it's so much easier than what it used to be. And uh, especially if you're not like involved in the visual effects at all, like I, it, it, it's, it's crazy how much easier it is to make a movie now than it, it was in the past before visual effects. Cause like, I mean, when everything was done practically, I mean, it, it was truly a challenge even, and I'm not just saying like, again, like for like to, to make some type of horror, like, practical thing i mean like just for like the most basic shots like every, everything was everything was more difficult back then back then blade runner look all the yeah all the shots in that took any t- months any ter- yeah. terry gilliam film yeah it took months to get those those shots and uh and i think when you have a longer shoot date you have more time to really think about the movie and to figure out What's the purpose? Why are we telling these stories? Why, uh, why this shot? You know, and I think it's too. Nowadays, it's just too fast. It's just going. It's just going too fast, and and people need to slow down and figure out why. This is our thoughts on uh, what Martin Scorsese has said. <laughs> <laughs> so it was a good conversation. We got to go. This, this is it. Uh, we're getting a little long here, but. Uh, Thank you for listening to uh, Inside Flicks. We'll be back hopefully very soon with a new episode, and we'll pick another topic to talk about. All right. Let's uh, say, you know, we're thinking our thoughts to um, Crazy Bone. Yeah, man, that sucks. I hope he's okay. T- tell us about Crazy Bone, uh, Raymond. You, point- you pointed this out. Well, yeah, I mean, Crazy Bone's from, you know, Bone Thugs and Harmony. Bone Thugs and Harmony is, you know, one of my favorite rap groups from the 90s. They're mixture of kind of uh rap and again gangster rap and kind of r&b a little bit i mean they just would rap and sing at the same time which is right. very like, unique since then the people have been stealing their kind of style right yeah well i mean i think they kind of paved the way for for a lot and and uh but i don't think their style can necessarily really be replicated <laughs> i think they were pretty i think they were pretty unique and um and i think a lot of their music from the 90s just you know some some of the best uh, kind of gangster rap there is, and um, I think Crazy Bone was always one of my favorite members. So I mean, it, it's it's totally sad to hear this, and I, I, yeah, yeah, I just really hope that um, he he he's okay. He pushes through this because it sounds it sounds very serious. Mm-hmm. And yeah, he's, um, he's in the hospital right now, and he's fighting something that's going on, and he's yeah, it seems like a very serious uh, uh, time for him. Yeah. So we'll leave it with that, and we'll leave it with uh, a little crossroads. Goodbye, everybody.